public health responses are quite blind to the realities of those who are most marginalized. And what happens is that then this results in a different kind of humanitarian crisis and then further increases and exacerbates injustices, structural injustices and structural inequalities. Hello, I'm Catherine de Volder. This is Thinking Out Loud, conversations with leading philosophers from around the world on topics that concern us all. This is a special edition on ethical questions raised by the corona pandemic. In this video, I talk to Dr. Agamoni Ganguly-Mitra about the social justice aspects of pandemics. Thanks very much for taking the time um, to do this interview. Um, and so much of your work focuses on ethical issues arising from social injustices and inequalities. So how um, are these issues relevant to outbreaks of epidemics or pandemics? Yes, uh, thank you very much for having me. It has been shown that pandemics will, um, and epidemics, and any kind of global health emergencies um, will affect um, people differently, and these will uh, exacerbate, they will magnify existing social and health inequalities. Those who are already disadvantaged or marginalized would be hit more severely, um, and these crises will then create uh, new inequalities and new vulnerabilities. And this will, in turn, of course, um, affect people's ability to access care. Uh, so they might be uh, more adversely affected uh, within the systems of triage or allocation if somewhere down the line we haven't thought about uh, who they are, where they are situated in society before they come to us in terms of the healthcare, healthcare system. So can you make that a little bit more concrete? So how would they be affected in triage, for example? If we decide, that, decide for example, that triage is based on first-come, first-served serve basis, um, if you have somebody with a disability or um, issues of mobility, for example, this affects your ability to access healthcare in the first place. So you'll never be the first one to access healthcare. Uh, and therefore, there will be a pattern of discrimination within the triage system if we are not attuned to the fact that people with disability or mobility issues, for example, will have um, more obstacles to face in terms of accessing the healthcare. Similarly, in our public health responses and policies, um, if these are not um, attuned to the social determinants of health, to existing structural inequalities and um, things like racial, gender, class-based discrimination, um, they'll end up reinforcing those uh, social and structural inequalities. So how would that work? How would they reinforce these inequalities? So I can give you some, um, some examples maybe from an area um, that is how pandemics or outbreaks are always gendered. So if we think about the 2014-2016 uh, Ebola outbreak, um, women were far more susceptible for many reasons, right? They were more susceptible uh, in their role as carers. They were closer to people with uh, the illness. Uh, they there was an increased vulnerability to sexual and other kinds of violence, especially in context of conflict. There was also a rise in, for example, in maternal deaths um, as uh, resources were deviated and allocated to fighting uh, Ebola rather than um, to the other broader healthcare issues existing there. There was a decrease in childhood vaccination, for example, which meant that when uh, these children got ill, uh, mothers had to stay home to care, take care of them. There are also examples from the Zika outbreak. Uh, early on um, in, the, in that outbreak, there was um, a policy response to tell women 
to access contraception, to access, um, uh, to avoid pregnancies. And this was done in a context where women have very little autonomy over their own reproductive and sexual health and choices. Some of the most disadvantaged women will not have had access to contraception and will certainly not have had access to abortion. And, and yet uh, the policy really responsibilized them uh, to avoid uh, passing on the, the infection to their potential children to avoid congenital Zika syndrome, for example. And so there will be um, examples from the current uh, COVID crisis as well as we fight against um, this virus. Uh, so, for example, early on, there were worries about um, in a lockdown, women not being able to access contraception, not being able to access, importantly, uh, abortions. There are also worries about um, women being uh, subjected to increased violence within the home. Space, um, in the UK, but also worldwide in the lockdown, women being forced to uh, live in a constrained uh, situation with, with their abusers, and also the fact that the women's aid sector has been hit quite hard by austerity measures means that there are fewer measures of support that we can provide women who will be in these situations. There will be also worries around the fact that women are in the front line of this fight against the virus not uh, only as nurses in hospitals, but also as staff in um, care homes where there is a considerable sh shortage of uh, protective, personal protective equipment. So these are some examples from the UK. There are also many examples worldwide. So if I can uh, just take one example from India, the lockdown came on rather suddenly. So um, everything, shops, transport, etc., were all closed down within hours of the announcement of the lockdown. This meant that given that a large percentage of the workforce in India are migrant laborers, they were then left stranded without livelihoods, without a home. And within that, uh, women who work in India are also, a majority of them work as um, within the informal sector, right? So they will work um, as day laborers, they'll work as cleaners and cooks in other people's homes. And of course, all these uh, income um, sources would then be closed, would then be closed for them. And so they'll be much more heavily hit by measures uh, such as lockdowns. And so what we see, uh, unfortunately, is that there is um, the fact that public health responses are quite blind to the realities of those who are most marginalized. And what happens is that then this results in a different kind of humanitarian crisis and then further increases and exacerbates injustices, structural injustices, and structural inequalities. Gen gender being one of those examples, but of course this will apply across uh, race, class, disability, and other minorities as well. What could be the explanation for why there is so little attention being paid to this major problem? I think if we look at public health measures, we're quite used to look at um, looking at epidemiology as numbers, as statistics, without necessarily um, looking at uh, the differentials between between people and how they're situated. We think about life, save, uh, life saved, but we think less about which lives are being saved and whether there's a pattern of discrimination, for example. There is not also potentially enough um, ethical and social justice discourse, discussion within how policy is being made, within the different models of responses that are being discussed. Um, we tend to think about ethics quite narrowly in terms of access to healthcare, um, end-of-life decisions, uh, access to ventilation and, and things like that. Um, but perhaps we're less attuned to thinking about the broader social 
justice aspects of um, how we should think about policies and how we should think about ethics in this context. So do you have any sort of idea about what ought to be done to address these problems? What we need to do is to start thinking about this far earlier than we have so far. So when we start thinking about modeling pandemics, when we start thinking about various scenarios, whether when we start thinking about pandemic planning, there absolutely has to be a systematic consideration of these aspects, both in the ways in which uh, the pandemic will affect various parts of the population, but also how our responses will then affect these uh, these individuals, these groups and populations. These are not just numbers. These are people who are situated differently in society uh, with more or less privilege, and this has to be taken into account. Also, quite importantly, we need to hear these voices. There's not enough in terms of uh, representation of, uh, of marginalized people, of women, of Uh, people of various uh, ethnic backgrounds and disabilities and so on, other minorities as well. We have to do this early on and we have to do it systematically so as not to create further injustice uh, and to exacerbate already existing uh, social and structural disadvantage. If you liked this video, don't forget to subscribe to the Practical Ethics channel and the Thinking Out Loud Facebook page.